Blog Talk Radio. to Research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and joining me today is Adrian Abiodon for a conversation about one branch, many discoveries. Adrian is a professional genealogist located outside of Tampa, Florida combined her personal and professional genealogical pursuits span nearly two decades, 14 which have been in the exploration of genetic genealogy. Her niche areas include African-American genealogy, Deep South U.S., lineage societies, and as I mentioned earlier, genetic genealogy. Adrian strives to make genealogy down-to-earth, fun and attainable by anyone interested in their family history. When Adrian isn't researching or giving presentations, she enjoys spending time with her favorite DNA matches, her two beautiful children, Naomi and O'Neill. So let me give a warm welcome to Adrian. Hi, Adrian. Hi, Bernice. Thank you so much for having me today. Well, I'm just excited to have you, Adrian. So let's just start off with what motivated you to get involved in genealogical research. Well, so many things. <laughs> uh, when I, I would say the first Spark uh, wasn't probably the best. It wasn't a pleasant one, but um, I, as a, as a child, I, I learned at the age of ten that my father, who I had known was my father, wasn't my my biological father, but he had always been in my life since um, since I was a baby. So that's all I ever knew. So um, naturally, uh, you know, I kind of just let it slide and didn't really question much. I, I had a two-parent home and a brother and my, you know, loving family, so it didn't really seem to matter. But then as time went on, you know, of course, I had questions about um, my biological father and my paternal side of my family, probably more so than my, my mother's at that time. And so that, that was one thing that set me off on my genealogical research, but not until many years later. 
And so with many years later, let's just talk about this because, you know, family trees, and and that's what you're talking about, putting together that family tree. You have so many branches with so many discoveries that are waiting to be found. So which branch of your family will you be sharing with us today? Yes. So the one I want to share today is actually called the branch family. It is the, it's a line on my mother's side of the family. And because, um, you know, I, although I was inspired, I guess, by the, the lack of knowledge on my paternal side, I, I've since, you know, of course, researched both sides of my family. And I find this one I'm, I'm very much attached to since there have been so many discoveries. But my, my branch lineage is my mother's mother, who was uh, Johnetta Jones. She was born in 1919 in Shaw, Mississippi, which is in Bolivar County. And her father was a man by the name of Willie Jones or William Jones. And he was born about, uh, born about 1899 in um, Amit County, Mississippi. And then he's a bit of a mystery. He's, he's a bit of a roadblock just because I don't know much about him. But then beyond him, we get to the branches. His mother was a woman by the name of Louisa Branch, and she was born about 1872 in Wilkinson County in Mississippi. And also she died in about 1905, we estimate, in Amy County, Mississippi. So from there, uh, not to give you a, like a full-on out uh, Line, but the branch family is the one that I've made a tremendous headway, and I would say in the last six years of research, and I've just keep discovering things in record collections and DNA, and that's what makes them so exciting to me. Well, how far back have you been able to trace your branch family? Because it's very interesting. I didn't know you had connections with Amid, Mississippi, and Wilkinson County and Bolivar County, because I kind of look in those counties, too. So very interesting. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I see you. I see you researching those areas, and I'm always thinking, is she going to find someone I know? Um, But uh, this line, beyond Louisa, I can go back another two generations to her uh, grandfather. So her father was a man named Alexander Branch, or Alex Branch, and he was born about 1838, and uh, his, his pension files and military records say he was born in Port Hudson, Louisiana, but he, uh, he died in Richland, Louisiana. And, and the family kind of bounced back and forth between East Louisiana Parish and Wilkinson uh-huh. County, so they were the county line, uh-huh. And, uh, but his father, Philip Branch, was born about the late 1700s, early 1800s in Halifax County, or uh, we believe to be Enfield, Halifax County, which is where he was removed from when he, his enslaver um, brought him out of North Carolina into Wilkinson County between 1818 and 1819. Um, so I can only go as far back on the record for sure with Philip Branch. So back to, okay, so you can go back to Halifax, and then you mm-hmm. find that his enslaver brought him to, uh, to Mississippi. So did you grow up hearing about this, this branch of your family? 
No. Uh, so this, this is where all the discoveries start to unfold. My mother and her family, did, her siblings, I should say, just didn't know anything. <laughs> I'm the teacher here. They did not grow up hearing about these stories to, to pass them down. There was a lot of uh, communication and I guess uh, lack of communication. And I guess, uh, you know, it just came with the times. People didn't talk then or some families didn't talk. I shouldn't say they all didn't. But my, my mother was born in Los Angeles. And as I mentioned, her, her mother had been born in Shaw. But when the family, both of my, my mom's parents were from Mississippi, when the family left, they didn't take my mother and my aunts to Mississippi to visit at all. They, they you know, my mom mm-hmm. said she was born in Hollywood. I was born in Hollywood. <laughs> and so, you know, that's, that's what she relates to. She, she's a fish out of water when it comes to Mississippi. And um, she had heard of relatives. My, my grandmother was only an only child. She had an, a half-sister. But they weren't really close to my mother's family. My mom knew who she was, and they knew who her daughter was. But um, just a lot of mystery. They, they referred to these individuals as aunts and uncles, but they weren't really sure if they were aunts and uncles. And so they didn't ask the right questions, I guess you should say. Um, so... I really, she didn't know she was a branch. She never grew up knowing anything about the last name branch, um, that it was related to her mother, that it, in fact, it was her mother's paternal grandmother that was a branch. Um, but she, so, so what happened was back in 2012, when Ancestry DNA, you know, was introduced and they started putting all those DNA kits on the market, I took some, I took one. And I can't recall the timeline, but over the first few years, I would say between 2012 and 2014, you know, as as matches keep coming in and people are taking these tests, um, eventually I kept seeing this name show up in people's online trees attached to their DNA profiles, branch, branch, branch. (laughs) I thought... Good golly, you know, there's a lot of them. I, I have to be related to them. And at that time, there were brick walls, you know, on my grandmother's mm-hmm. side. I, I didn't know, I didn't know who to to look for because my mother, I had, I had no guidance um, with this and a lot of incorrect information. And because they didn't know what had happened to her father or their their maternal grandfather, they just really didn't know. But when I started seeing all of that, I thought, well. Let's let's get down to this. You know, who who was this person you referred to as Aunt Irene and Uncle David? You know, were those your, your mother's real aunts and uncles? You know, who were they? And she said, well, I don't know. You know, we, we didn't know. So then that triggered me to go and look for their death records in California because they lived out there too. But they were Irene Jones and David Jones. Those were the, the siblings of my grandmother's father. So it turns out that they were in fact her aunt and uncle. But my they were so much older that my for whatever reason my mom did not see them, you know, being that or maybe from a child's perspective it was just like I, you know, I just no clue. So when I got their death certificates because I didn't have my grandmother's father's information to, to retrieve one on him, there it was. Both of them were the children of a Frank Jones and a Louisa Branch. And that set me off. That and one of my DNA matches, I got in touch with him, my cousin Adolph Morris, and he was a tremendous help 
because as it turns out, this family um, is well kept together for the most part. They have had reunions for almost five decades. They share information. They, they want the family to know. They say people always share these stories. <laughs> and I was just like, well, I don't know what happened on my side, but we, we didn't get them. There was a disconnect, I guess, when they moved out to California. But th from Adolph, I was put in touch with some of the, the elder um, branch cousins, descendants, and they shared a wealth of information. So now I'm finally getting that oral history that I never got from these, these um, somewhat distant cousins of mine. I wouldn't call them that distant. And, and, that, and that set me off, too, because now, we're, now I'm finding that I'm, I'm working with the old and the new. I've, I've, I've gotten here by way of DNA, which told me to say, hey, go back and look, you know, where, where could these people fit in? Let's go back and look at these records. And so from DNA, I went and found those, I ordered those birth records that showed me, yes, there is a branch connection. And now I'm collaborating with them to say, hey, guys, I really like this genetic science and stuff. What else can we do to expand what, we, what you have provided with me? Because, see, after Louisa Branch, there are records. So I, I did find these records, you know, on Ancestry and Family Search of Louisa connecting to Alexander, and then connecting to her grandfather, Philip. But they had the stories that really filled in, like, the pieces. And for them, because, you know, with women, once they get married, they kind of get lost. They had no yes. idea what had happened to, yeah, you know, they had no idea what had happened with Louisa Branch. Once she married Frank Jones, um, and then, she, you know, she died, it seems like, uh, after having her last born child, um, they didn't. They they had no idea. So I think that might have been part of the disconnect there. But um, with the DNA, I have been able to, you know, since since connecting with them, I've been able to go to a reunion, and I am sad to say this was probably the second and only family reunion I have ever been to in my life uh, because. My, my, my mother and her, her siblings, they just never went to reunions. It was, it was not something that was made available to them. And so I'm very excited by that because I know uh, the wealth of information that comes from that. And this is a family that does a tremendous job of um, keeping in touch with the descendants of Philip Branch through Facebook. We've got about a 700, almost 800-person family Facebook group. And those are all branch descendants, and they are always, you know, sharing and congratulating and applauding one another, um, you know, consoling each other when we lose someone. Um, and, and that sense of community has been the greatest reward. But um, I, I'm pleased to say they didn't get upset with me when I told them my DNA information seemed to be pointing to something different from the oral history. <laughs> Oh, okay. Uh, was, yeah, yeah. So, what the stamps from from Philip Branch? Philip Branch, like I said, he was born about eighteen, the early eighteen hundreds, late seventeen hundreds, and we know he was removed from Halifax. The family, the family knows that well. The Whitakers, which who he was enslaved by in Wilkinson County, were from that area. 
And there was a book, I think it was published in about 1891, which refers to Phil, an old, you know, Negro of about 90-something years old who had traveled between 1818 and 1819 with the Whitakers and still resided on the property. And he was a carriage driver for the family. And so um, the Whitakers were fairly, you know, okay with with their treatment, I guess, um, with Philip Branch and and his wife and children. And, And for some reason, I don't, I don't know, how, um, I'm sure that it could be explained better by one of my cousins, but the oral history that got passed down was Philip was the half-brother of his enslaver, John Whitaker, therefore being the son of John Whitaker's father, who was General Eli Benton Whitaker. And these were, and, and, and he was married to a branch. So the branch name was in there, but, you know, Philip is supposed to be this Whitaker um, descendant. So the family had built out because, of course, I think we all want to keep going, right? We don't want to stop at this one fabulous person. We want to keep expanding our family. So the family had all this Whitaker history beyond Philip, uh, you know, with, with that he was his son. And I came along, and as a newcomer showing up at the reunion, I certainly did not want to be a troublemaker. You know, that's not my mm-hmm. intent. I'm not here to upset anyone. People pour their heart and soul into their family history, their research, the stories that someone passed on to them, their great aunts and uncles or grandparents. And to say that I, I think it might be going in a different direction is really hard. But I was surprised and relieved at how receptive they were to hearing it and to wanting to know the truth and to getting it right. So, And that's, um, the, part, that's the part of DNA where it could become very emotional because, yes. as you just said, they had this, this story and they believed mm-hmm. this story. But DNA mm-hmm. said something else. And so you mm-hmm. were at this point where you had to make a decision. Do I disclose or do I keep my mouth shut? And no. you made the decision to share. <laughs> you made the decision to share. But you yeah, were I mean, gone always, I mean, I listened always... to you. Yeah, Adrian, I've, I just listened to everything that you just said. So mm-hmm. let me see if I can recap your journey for you. So at mm-hmm. one point you took a DNA test and you saw these branch folks showing up in your DNA. And you decided, yes. well, let me go back to my mom and, and ask her a little bit more about these people she was calling aunt and uncle or aunt. And mm-hmm. with that, you decided to, from a genealogical perspective, go find the death certificates. And in there mm-hmm. you found the branch connection. And from there you continued to do your research, and then you realized, indeed, they were relatives. You didn't know at the time, mm-hmm. but now you confirmed they were relatives. And you continued on with this whole process. 
eventually Correct. connecting with the family, going to family reunions, hearing the stories, getting more oral history from other researchers, and now you all are one big branch family with now, because of <laughs> genetic genealogy, you've uncovered truth and the fact that the family, they're really not the Whitakers. They are the branch, and yeah. maybe there's something else to that story. But he, you did not find a biological connection with the former slave owner. Did I summarize this correctly? Mm. That is correct. That is correct. And I did. I actually did not find a biological connection with the former uh, enslaver, but I did find a discovery that kind of, you know, a name. We have a name now. We have a location. We have, it's almost as though we have just one or two missing generations in between, and then we could link ourselves to the family because everything else beyond that is is golden almost. It's just like who who was his father? Who was Philip's father? But when I, um, you know, I, there was autosomal DNA, then I said, well, let's find out the, the the branch. Let's let's prove this. Let's try to take some Y DNA tests. Who were the male cousins that we can can get to take Y DNA tests? So I put a call out there, and I had a few takers, and I think we have four now branch descendants who have taken Y DNA tests. And but when the first one took the test for me back in 2016, uh, he's a third cousin of mine. His results came back with all white men with the last name Fletcher. And uh, you know it's great when you can get just a single name and not a, a few. It's like Fletcher. And as I researched their genealogies, it turned out that they are coming also out of North Carolina, um, but a little bit more east from Halifax County. So they, this Fletcher group is coming from an area of Perquimans County, North Carolina, and their ancestry goes into this Quaker <laughs> ancestry, which was really fascinating to me. So I thought, you know, wow, Philip is descending from Quakers? <laughs> Uh, how, how did this happen? How did the, yeah, the questions now, there's a lot of questions, you know, still more discoveries to be made, but, you know, being born so, I mean, late, early 1800s, late 1700s, and this Quaker family is traced in North Carolina in the 1600s, late 1600s, um, it leaves just uh, where did the, the Fletcher family and the Branch or Whitaker family intersect? You know, wh- where did that happen? Mm-hmm. And as it turns out, you know, how did, how did we get from Perquimans County to Halifax, which really isn't that far away? It's about an hour and a half, I think, uh, distance or two hours max. Um, but where, where did that happen? And we have some DNA matches that are Fletchers that were also in Halifax County. And I've been, I'm working on them. I'm chiseling away if, to see if we can get them to participate in Y-DNA. But they do show up as autosomal um, DNA matches and ancestry DNA to several of our branch cousins. So that's, uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's future research. Right. Very interesting discovery, though, uh, to find Mm. the the Quaker connection also. So have you made Mm. other discoveries? Well, yes. uh, 
I guess with this, I've learned just just filling in the narratives. I don't only like to just build backwards or try to, you know, make a more robust story for each individual, figure out, you know, all the bits and pieces. Did they go to school? Was there any military service? So on and so forth. And um, with, uh, with this family, I learned that my ancestor, Alexander Branch, my third great-grandfather, served in the United States Colored Troops. He was in the 4th Regiment, the, the USCT Colored Cavalry. And um, because of that discovery, he's, he's on that, um, I found out he's on that monument in Washington, D.C. at the African-American Civil yes. War Memorial Museum. So I took my children out that way back, I want to say, in 2015. We marched in the Grand Review Parade and visited the monument. And, you know, we did all of that on his behalf um, and to honor him and his service in the, the Civil War. And then I've also been able to join the DUVCW, Daughters of Union Veterans of the Civil War, which is a lineage society because of his um, service. And with Philip um, Branch, both both Philip and his son Alexander, they were they were both enslaved, um, you know, at the time. But because of, of them, I have also joined lineage societies um, for them to honor their enslaved. Um, service. Uh, I joined the Sons and Daughters of the U.S. Middle Passage, which honors uh, those who were formerly enslaved, and we call them forced American patriots, for their service that they, they provided to this country. So uh, those are two of the discoveries for, for them. And, and I don't know if being enslaved is so much a discovery, but I guess, I guess it could be just as much as uh, being a free person of color and so forth, you know, when you're coming from a uh, don't know much space about the family. But uh, growing up, you know, as a child and not knowing anything, it was always, you know, African-American people, they were slaves, they were slaves, they were slaves. And I think that's part of the reason I do this so much because not everybody was. There were free people of color. There were people who immigrated later after the fact. You know, I, I don't like to categorize that, and I think it's very um, disheartening, you know. Uh, so I think there was an expectation for me growing up that my family may have been enslaved as African-American people in this country, but uh, so I don't, I don't know that I necessarily feel like that's a discovery. I think free people of color for me would be an amazing discovery. <laughs> Well, I want to just go back to your, you mentioned the, the two lineage societies, and talk mm -hmm. about just what did you have to do to join those lineage societies, and why did you feel uh, it necessary to join them? Okay, so the process. To join them um, with any lineage society, you know, it's, it's based on proof, genealogical proof, proving your lineage to a, an ancestor, um, particular heritage. And to join them, I had to compile records from myself all the way back to the ancestor who I'm claiming either served in the Civil War or um, was an enslaved person um, and, and so forth. And 
that meant getting my birth records, my mother, her, you know, her vital records, her mother's records, and then um, her father's records. And those records could be uh, birth, death, marriage, census, um, Freedmen's Bureau records, different, different, uh, different collections, whatever you need, have necessary to prove that, that I, you know, A connects to B to C and D and so forth. And so it can be, it, it, it can be a challenge because not everyone got married, so you may not find a, a marriage record or not everyone uh, was baptized in a church, but you, you seek to find the records that can prove that you are connected to that person. Um, and the reason I wanted to join is because I, I, I've always loved history growing up. Um, I like, I like, from, I just like the challenge of saying, okay, yeah, how, but how do you know that? You know, there's the, I know it because someone told me. I know it because it's on a piece of paper. I know it's uh, because it's in my DNA. Um, and, and I think it's just pretty rewarding putting all those pieces together and, and showing, yeah, this is in fact who it is. And, and kind of just writing and honoring and owning and understanding your own history. So I wanted to do that so my children did not grow up with a whole bunch of questions the same way I did or as they when they when they go through school and they go through American history and the Civil War, you know, if they teach it, <laughs> they'll know, you know, that, oh, I have a connection to that. I have an ancestor who served in that. I have ancestors who were enslaved and who did contribute to this country that, in, in that manner, and this is who they are, and this is how I can work my way back to those ancestors. So... Um, there are many reasons why I joined those particular societies, but uh, yeah, I, I think their contributions were well worth it. And you mentioned writing and sharing with your uh, your children. Have has the Branch family put together any family books of which you've contributed, or are you? putting together a family book that you would give, a history book that you would provide to your children? Well, I do, I'm do. i not aware of a book that the Branch family has put together in regards to all of this history. I think um, they're, you know, beyond the reunion books that we may have been distributed at one time. I didn't, I didn't get one at the reunion I went to a few years back. But, um, and I'm I am not as ambitious as you are probably with the historical books. They are an incredible amount of work. I like the lineage process, application process, because that's kind of short and sweet, but then compiling not just your line, you know, but, but, but the, the other lines, you know, okay, and these were the aunts and the uncles and the cousins and the community. It is a huge undertaking. So I have people who encourage me to do it. I haven't done it yet. The, the most I've, I've done um, when my daughter was born, that, uh, you know, that, that just really said, you got to get on this now. And during that first year while she was a baby and it was quiet and it was easier than I thought it was, <laughs> um, <laughs> I spent a lot of time writing my, my story. You know, this is, this, is, this is who I was, you know, before I was your mom because you're, you're only going to know me as mom, you know, and, every, and, and forward. You're never going to know who I was before that. And then I used um, Ancestry at the time, their book publishing platform, the, my canvas, I think. Uh, and yes. I created mm -hmm. a five generations 
yeah, a five-generation family history book for my children. And so they both have a copy. It's 250 pages. It's big. It's heirloom quality. They love it. I mean, I don't let them touch it <laughs> a lot, you know, <laughs> except I might add a picture or a sticker or I might make a note because it's a work in process. You know, like some of these things, my, my grandmother's, my grandmother's father, I still don't have information on him. So, but if I uncover something, I'll open up the book and I'll say, okay, let me just put this sticky note and next time we print it, you know, we'll, we'll fix this. Or even, if it doesn't get printed, at least you have this note, you know. Uh, but that's they they love it they and when they their friends come over oh this is my book this is my history book <laughs> so I'm I'm actually quite pleased and surprised at how much they they gravitate towards it and seeing the pictures. Well, I think that's just wonderful. Plus, as you mentioned, you took your your children to the parade in Washington D.C. for the Civil War parade. I remember mm-hmm. seeing you there walking down the street with your kids in your costume. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it, yeah. it's wonderful. Uh, They're engaged. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, this is something that when we talk about our children and we talk about genealogy, it's really the parents' responsibility to continue mm-hmm. to share this knowledge with the kids so that they can say, I grew up not knowing anything. Uh, you are yeah. actually leaving a legacy with your children by sharing all of this information with them. Yeah, yeah. So tell us, you know, just let's let's talk just about some basic genealogy because we have people here that are listening. So, what advice mm-hmm. uh, you have for researchers trying to to trace any ancestral line, a branch of their own family tree? I would say just ask questions and 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 don't be afraid to go back and look over someone's research. <laughs> and not because you feel it's incorrect, but just just because you have a new set of fresh eyes that can offer Mm, you know, maybe, maybe they didn't see something or maybe they got so excited. Like when I, again, with the DNA thing, when I came along with uh, the Branch family, uh, they had this photocopy of the 1857 probate record of the ancestors from, it's the John Whitaker probate record when he died. And it lists on there at the top of the page of his chattel goods, um, our ancestor, Phil Branch, and then Phil's wife and then the children. But this record, you know, which they have the photocopy of, and it's not, uh, from what I've seen, it's just that first page. But if you turn the back side, there's a whole, that, that list continues. There were 47 enslaved people that were listed in his property that were being valued and stuff. And what I learned is, okay, that was an important document. I asked, you know, well, do you know any of the other people or any other people on this list, family? And they said, well, I don't know. We got so excited when we found it, and I think they went to Wilkinson County Courthouse back in 20, 2010 or something and, and found this record that they just kind of, look, there's our people. This our immediate family right here. But what I found with DNA is we're getting matches from other, other people that are descending from other names on that list. Oh, and wow. That, that is important because it's telling us, well, there's a bigger family structure here that we're not aware of because they didn't take the branch name. Some of them took the name Mitchell. Some of them took another name. So, 
but genetically, they're 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 keep popping up, showing up to us, the branch descendants, but also as descendants of these individuals listed on this probate record. So go back with fresh eyes. You know, even though this had this this photocopy had been provided for me, I just. I just need a reason to travel. I just want to go to the courthouse myself. Well, let me tell me where you found it or, you know, help me understand where in the building or any tip you want to give me because, you know, I'm going to go out to Wilkinson County. That's what I, I, I said. I'm going, to, I'm going to travel out there, and I want to see if I can find the, the probate record myself, you know, because there's loads of pages in there. Are we sure we didn't miss anything? And so I did that. I, I think back in 2016, 2015, I went to Wilkinson County with the family. My daughter was there with me. We recorded a little video in the courthouse quietly. And with their help, you know, because they mentioned, you know, man, that record was in a file cabinet up in the top third floor of the courthouse or something. Just you'd hardly know it. And I'm very grateful for that tip because it was. And just like this, you'd hardly be able to find it. You could have, I could have spent a, a lot more time there looking if I had not had that tip. But I went through and took pictures of the whole, you know, everything else that had chattel property or names and stuff. I, I wanted to see with my own eyes. So don't be afraid to revisit information that you're given with your family history, an online tree, you see information, it doesn't add up, he had three wives, ask for clarification, reach out, collaborate. I mean, a big part of this experience for me has been collaboration. And again, the, the joy and, and of people being receptive and saying, we're going to get through this. We're going we're gonna to use the tools available to us to get to the, the truth. And I don't know, not everybody's on the DNA train either. You know, there's a lot of skepticism with that. But I think that has been an amazing blessing. So if, you, if you're not there yet, it can help you. You know, people say, I just deal with the records. I just want to do record research. DNA can point you to the records. It can point you to the people you need to be looking for in the right collections, the right courthouses that you need to be visiting. So... I would just say keep, be flexible, collaborate, uh, ask questions, revisit things, go back and look, you know, you've been to the Freedman's Collection already, go back again, look, look through those records again, you know, because um, things keep showing up. So uh, that's, that's my advice, I think, to anybody, and that's a, a, a beginner or an advanced researcher, so... Yes, you're right, beginner and advanced, because sometimes you overlook, sometimes your enthusiasm will prevent you mm. from turning the page over also, because you see that, that name and you're excited and you forget, just as you said, you turn the page over and you, you're talking about 44 people. And so I think your advice is, is just right on target, especially the fresh eyes. There's nothing wrong with having somebody else revisit your information because they may see something that you didn't see. And if you've heard Dr. Shelley Murphy, she'll always say when you look at a document, the next question is, so what? Well, so mm -hmm. what you found your ancestor on this piece of paper? What else do you see on this piece of paper? And so you have definitely, you know, hit it right where it needs to be for researchers, the advice that researchers need to have. And I like the fact mm. that you're saying collaboration 
because mm, there are others out there, others out there that you can turn to for support who could give you information just as you were told, hey, in the courthouse, that record is way up somewhere, and this is where you need to look, so that you're not wasting your time. Yeah. In fact, what kind of advice would you give to people who are going to the courthouse? Oh. <laughs> with, without any tips, uh, you know, pack a good lunch. Uh, just give yourself <laughs> give yourself time. It's not a, it's not a, a you know, uh, depending on what you're looking for, if it's indexed, if it's well kept. I mean, I've seen things where I can just get in and get out. Most times it's not like that, or most times I just want to stay. <laughs> Let's just be honest. I want to stay in the courthouse and just keep researching, but I know we don't all have that kind of time. So I would say give yourself just two to three hours, um, you know, don't uh, or more if you can. Uh, don't be afraid to ask questions because it can be a little overwhelming when you go in there at first. I know a lot of us are comfortable with our computers finding the answers and, okay, well, how do I, how do I locate this um, record? or Where is it collected? And some, uh, kept. Sometimes it's not always very straightforward. So um, don't be afraid to ask someone there for help, and, but usually they're pretty busy as well. So try to, try to come up with a plan in advance. Plan to have plenty of time, have, have some snacks or a good lunch to take a break, and um, that's it. And then you probably need to revisit and, and come back again and again and again because I, I don't know. Like I said, I like to I like to hang out in the courthouse. <laughs> <laughs> well, Adrian, I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your information with us today. One Branch, many discoveries. You have certainly had your discoveries today to share with us. And everyone else, remember, your ancestors left footprints. Even if you have two little tips, like the aunt, well, Adrian took it to another level. She took her DNA, she found the branch family, and then she went back and she asked about those aunts again, and she found the death certificates, and guess what? She found the branch name and the death certificates. So remember, your ancestors left footprints, so you should follow the clues mm. that are provided to you. Okay, everyone? Thank mm. you so much. Adrian Abiodun for joining research at the National Archives and Beyond today. And everyone else, I look forward to all of you joining me next week. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett. Goodbye, Adrian. Bye. Thank you.